After completing our series on the mission of the church, what of the mission, I want to go a different way this morning, uh, a lot less intense, but I trust equally as impactful. I want you to stand with me and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's, it's written for uh, correction. It's written for rebuke, but it's also written for exhortation and encouragement. And that's what I want to be uh, for you today. Before I read this text, I want to give you a disclaimer. The church doesn't need self-help teachings. The church doesn't need motivational cue cards put on our windows. What we need is to know and believe the Word of God. That's the primary need of our life. So if you've been here longer than a couple of weeks, you know I'm not going to give you some secular humanistic approach. But the title might sound like that. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject of yes you can. And the key I will unlock later. Yes you can. Hebrews 10, 35. If you're there, say amen. This is to you. He said, cast not away. Don't throw away your confidence. The, t the context of that is your confidence in God, in the scriptures. Because your confidence has great recompense of reward. The reward is in the confidence. It's not a result of the confidence. It's in the confidence. Don't throw away your confidence in God. But you have need of patience. That after, say after. After you've done the will of God... You might receive the promise. Why does he put might in there? Because sometimes there's a gap between what we would call God's best and us doing our best. But we, we have need of patience that after we've done the will of God, we might receive the promise. For a while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. That speaks of the Lord's return. Now the just shall live by faith. A lot of times we put the emphasis on faith, which is right the just shall live by faith faith in the son of god faith in the word of god faith in the ways of god but what if you put the emphasis on the word live you're going to live if you live a life of faith but if any person draws back god said my soul will not have pleasure in them but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but unto them that believe to the saving of the soul Real quickly, just a couple of definitions and then you can be seated. Cast not therefore away your confidence. That, that Greek word means your boldness, especially in your words. Be careful the things that come out of your mouth. Be careful what you say because for every idle word you'll give an account in that day. And the power of, of life and death is found in the, or life and death is found in the power of the tongue. Cast not, therefore, away your confidence, your, your words, your confidence given in words. I want to suggest to you that the substance of this confidence must be in you before it's expressed out of you. Cultivate a God confidence, a God trust, a God expectancy. Don't throw away your opportunity to speak out of your heart that which is in your heart. And no matter how low it gets, you can even get to the place. Because, see, we have to still remain honest. They say, how are you doing? You said, bad as I've ever been. 
But let me tell you what I know to be true about God. And then you, and then you spread, you, you boldly proclaim your confidence that the Lord who brought me out of that, y'all are real quiet, can bring me out of this that's ahead today. It said you have need of patience. Some of us need to learn to persevere, to remain under, to endure, sustain, even to suffer, to bear up under a load of opposition, miseries, adversities, in and by faith. And then it says, because there's a great recompense of reward for it. The Greek also implies that for the faithful and those that proclaim that faith, there's reward, but there's loss and or even punishment for the one that accuses God, that blames God. It's okay to be wounded in God's presence. And it's okay not to understand in His presence. And it's okay to come before Him with your questions and say, God, I don't get this. But my confidence will not allow me to accuse because I know who He is. And I know how faithful and wonderful He is. So, my attempt this morning, if God will allow and anoint me to do so, I want to answer the question in your heart, can I blank? Yes, you can, through Christ that strengthens you. Yes, you can. God, I just thank you this morning for the privilege that molded clay like myself can stand before your people and proclaim the riches of your word. All men are as grass and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and flower falleth away. But your word, O Lord, endureth forever. Anoint me this morning that I might preach with a clarity and a boldness from heaven that lets the word find the lowest place in our heart that we might engraft it, receive it, believe it, engraft it, that it would bring fruit thereby. Change us, Lord, into the image of bold, faithful Christians, the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Four quick points this morning. Make sure four, nothing changed since last night. Four this morning. And it might sound simple, but sometimes the most simple, when you're doing exhortation, the simpler the more easy it is to apply, like a, a pouring into a wound, peroxide, just simply clean it out or, or an infusion of strength, if you will. Number one, I don't know who you are and I don't know where you're sitting, but you can handle this, this thing, this season this loss, this plateau, this confusion. Well, God's not the author of confusion. I know, but I've, I've lived through seasons of confusion. You can handle this. Whatever this is, you can handle the giant of opposition. You can handle the loneliness. You can handle the disappointment. You can handle disillusionment, depression. See, the devil's only power is to trick you if he can get you to take your eyes off of God even the greatest among us like Simon Peter sink in the water 
I know it sounds simple. I know we know this, but we don't put it into practice. If you know you can handle this, why would you act and say that you couldn't? Now, there are people that use their little hallmark quotations. God will never put more on you than you can bear. I don't know what Bible you've read, and I wish I had your life. Because he does allow, and he will put more on you than you can bear. That you might learn to cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. He will put more on you than you can bear to break that independent spirit so you will walk near, close, and humbly before the Lord your God, giving him the credit for the sustaining of your soul. You can handle this because of the Holy Spirit within you. 2 Peter 1. Guys, if you can put these verses on the screen today, I would really appreciate it. I, I, I know I don't always ask, but today if you can. 2 Peter 1. 3 and 4, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Let me say that again. According to God's divine power, which is given, past tense, he's given unto you all things. Say that with me. All things. So does it say some things? A few things. According to God's divine power, he has given to you everything that you need pertaining to life, do you see it, and godliness. Everything you need to live in this world and live uprightly, God has already given you. Through, there's the key word, mark it down, that's the hinge where the door swings. Through the knowledge of Christ, the one that has called you to glory and virtue. Whereby, with that possession and that awareness, there have been given unto you exceeding great and precious promises that you might be partakers of the divine nature. So that implies that there is a divine nature available to some believers that they never exercise or take a part of. That verse right there has helped me through many, when I tell you many, I, I, I try to use not only faith, but logic. God's a God of order. He's a God of method. That's where Methodism was born. God is, is consistent. And I remind myself that when I feel like I can't or there's no way to continue, but God, you said you've already given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. So why am I asking you for that which I already have? My responsibility is to rightly divide the word of truth, act upon it, and walk it out. You can handle this because of the deposit uh, that God has made in you, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. You can handle this, letter B, even if you don't know how. God has promised to lead you in the what, the how, the when, and the where. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 another anchor verse for me especially in the early years of my faith some of you can quote it by memory proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all you didn't hear me all your heart stop trusting him halfway my grandfather used to say boy if you're going to be a dog be a big one if you're going to believe stop piddling with it and go all in 
all my card players know what that means. And it ain't gambling if you win. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. No, why don't we put this on the bathroom mirror and stop leaning to your own understanding? Which means you're going to have a battle with what you see, which are facts, and what you know, which is truth. The facts are, it looks like I'm going to lose. The truth is, the Lord will keep me and preserve my going out and my coming in from this day forward and forevermore. The battle is between facts and truth. And the truth always trumps your present facts. You ain't got to know how to handle it. His, his mercy is new for you every morning. And one of the greatest things you can say to God is this. In deep humility, I don't know what to do. Comma, not period. Don't place a period after that. I don't know what to do. Comma. But I know that you know all things and you have my best interest at heart. So I'm going to cast all of these things that trouble me on those broad shoulders of the one who made everything. And I'm going to rest. You can handle this even if you don't understand it. I love the differentiation here. You can handle it even if you don't know how. And even if you don't understand it. You can handle it. Even if it's beyond your scope, when you just stare at it with a blank look and, and you don't know the how or the, you, you can't even articulate the need. You can handle it because Christ fills in the gaps of our ignorance, our arrogance, our uh, humanity, our weakness, and he carries us. He carries us. He carries us physically, carries us emotionally, mentally. Y'all remember that little poem a long time ago? It used to be in the Christian bookstores, Footprints in the Sand. Uh, any of y'all ever read Buttprints in the Sand? No, I'm serious. It's out there. Go Google it online. It'll bless you. I'm like, I read it that first time. I go, oh, I had a revelation. I said, that's me. Instead of Footprints in the Sand, that's where God had carried me. I saw God holding me by both ankles doing this. butt prints in the sand. The longer you live, you're supposed to be being weaned off of self-confidence and growing in God-confidence. That is true. I wish you knew how good that was. Live long enough. You'll either going to flunk it or be forced to take night classes to understand what I'm telling you. You don't have to understand it. I just don't understand what's going on. You don't have to understand it. He does. Trust in him to make it clear. You don't have to make A's on every test to handle it. Oh, I wish I had time to talk to the perfectionist here. These kids, not kids, but, you know, 19, 20, 21, and I'm not making fun, but, yeah, a little bit, I guess. You know, I made a B plus. If I was in school and I had a B plus, I'd have a Pentecostal spell. I was like, ooh, you know, thank you, Lord, Jesus, thank you, we're in revival. But we carry over that desire to be excellent, listen, 
We carry that over into Christianity. And the drive for excellence often disguised as pride, pride disguised as excellence. I don't have to make A's to handle it. There will be some tests that I don't pass relationally, physically, maritally. And it's okay as long as I own them and repent and keep moving on. You know, when you get your degree, those of us that are near the middle to the lower end, we always like the end when you just pass, you know, give you a sheet of paper. They don't say passed with a C minus or, you know, it's just, you know, you got your degree and you look beside that person with a 4.2. How do you get a 4.2? That's not, first of all, I'd like to talk to somebody. That's not possible. If 4.0 is perfect, they were better than perfect. I like having my little degree beside them. I go, because <laughs> we got the same sheet of paper. One valedictorian worded it this way. He said, be, be kind to your A students. They'll come back and teach chemistry. But be really kind to your C students. They'll come back and build you a $20 million science building. Can my C student people help me out with a little amen? There? Okay, yeah, thank you. You don't have to pass every test to handle it. You don't have to master it to handle it. You don't have to have the faith, help, consistence, or support of anyone around you to handle it. It's as if, as if the Lord is saying to us this morning, you handle this and I'll handle you. Hmm. When I wrote that last night, I just felt such a witness mark. Literally, it's not audible, but it was like, I, I don't write phrases like that. That's not a way that I would speak. It was like, tell them, you handle this and I'll handle you. I'll keep you afloat. I'll keep you the supply running to your soul. I'll send you messages from heaven. I'll send a call of encouragement at just the right moment, an email at just the right moment. I'll put the bird in your window that's assigned to you, Mama Sheila, that the Lord is there, that little red bird. I'll keep you. You keep it. Amen. Thank you. That response is helpful. So you can handle this. Now watch. You can just... Amen doesn't cut it on a sermon like this. It helps, but you can handle this. So handle it. Watch the words of your mouth. Tell the truth, but spend more time telling the truth of God's faithfulness and trustworthiness. Mention the detail and then expound on the greatness of God. You got me? Okay. Number two, you can survive this. i got to be careful here because, you know, people think you're doing stuff for dramatic effect. Like when I talked last week about getting the phone calls with those that are at the end of themselves. There are people in this room that if they were to take the mic and tell you their story of what they've been through, your jaw would drop to the floor. And when you're going through those things, when marriages of many years dissolve because somebody just walks out, when a child walks away, when everything you've worked for is taken from you in a moment's time, when you get the call about your kid at 2 a.m. 
and they look at me. I've been in the emergency room with people who lost three family members in one car wreck. And I sat there with this person while they were in shock for, oh, 30, 40 minutes. And they would recognize me and then go back into shock. And they're like, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? And all I can tell you is that God will keep you. God will keep you. He's the source of buoyancy. He's the one that sustains. And there is, there are places where the person goes into spiritually, if you will, my experience, almost a comatose state where they just, there's nothing left. And I love this verse. I love this verse. And underneath are his everlasting arms. Underneath what? That. No matter how weak and low you are, to the point where you crumple physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Underneath that are the everlasting arms of God. Yes, and these people that are amening, they've been there. They've lived that. They're, what they're doing is testifying to you. They're not just supporting me. You can survive anything. How can you say that? Because all things that pertain to this life and godliness have already been given to you. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not even saying I have the, the right to talk to you about it. But you can survive this. As long as you keep your eyes on God. As long as you tenaciously cling to his word. As long as you dwell in the secret place, not just your prayer closet, but in the shadow of the Almighty God. But to do this, for you to do it, see, God can keep you without your help. But for you to participate in it, you have got to win the battle of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For those looking in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but might, which means uh, earthly, touch, taste, smell, feel, sight. But our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We always try to make that fit into spiritual warfare, like we're going into the enemy's camp and we're ripping down a wall. It tells you what the context is. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Doing what? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against your knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. And you bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, which means... When you are emptied, broken, shattered, or back up to one of our points, confused, and you don't understand what to do, you, you bring into captivity every thought that contradicts what you know to be true about God. So let's say the thought comes in, 
God don't even care about Stop. How can I say you don't care about me when everything in your word talks about how good a care you take care of me? And my history is that you took care of me. I cast down that uninvited thought and I bring it into captivity to the knowledge of Christ. God's going to fail you. He can't fail. God's going to lie to you. He can't lie. God's left you. He can't leave me. He said, I'm forever married to the backslider. He's near me. The, the winning the battle of your mind, you might want to write this down because this is simple and very profound. Others cannot do that for you and God will not do that for you. You're taking notes. Others cannot do that for you and God will not do that for you. Let me explain to you how this works out through my own failures. How many of you know the, the things you know the best is where you had to come the hard way learning? Uh-huh. You know, play stupid game, win stupid prizes kind of thing. You know, uh, let's say I'm really, really struggling in, 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 a, in a faith issue, in a bringing over from the ledger of God's faithfulness to where I live. And I go and spend time with my friends, Michael and Erica, and they encourage me and they build me up and... And I, I receive it. And in the moment, you feel like you are ready to go. You get in the car. You don't make it halfway home. And what you realize is all that good feeling you had is what splashed out of their bucket, the overflowing of their life with Christ. And I, that water dries up on the way home. Those clothes dry out. And I still have giants of thought that have came against the knowledge of God that I have not dealt with. I, can't, I can be encouraged by your words, but write it down. It dissipates quickly. I've got to stop lying to myself. I've got, I, that's a lie. If God's been anything to me, he's been faithful. You can survive this in natural ways. See... God has prepared things that the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard. And it's not entered into your heart, the things he's prepared for you. Not just in heaven, but in the earth. He's prepared for support. He's prepared for a way out. He's pre prepared for you preservation. Natural means. And just because you don't see it don't mean it's not coming. He also has provided supernatural means to survive this. Daniel in the lion's den. I, I know you know these stories, but I just want to give you two quick mental pictures from two stories. The Bible said when they threw Daniel in, uh, in this den of lions, they, of course they expected him to be eaten by the morning, mauled, ripped apart really. Um, and when they came that morning and saw that he was found, the statement was made, listen, that God sent the angel of the Lord to shut their mouths. One angel that could kill 80,000 men in battle in one night. 300, what is it, 300 a minute. Or, you know, just insane power. God sent supernatural power to Daniel. Can you imagine? So here's all these lines. Their natural instinct is to attack this man. You know, they're not going to put him in there with full lines. Hungry lines. And so they start walking towards him. And this angelic figure appears. We don't know how big. But every time one of these angels appeared in the Bible, the Bible says the man felt like a dead man in front of him. 
And you, you know these lions were like licking their chops and walking towards Daniel. And this angel appears. Go check him out. No, you go ch- just brilliant with God's glory. Brilliant. Now, it said that he shut their mouths. I don't know if he did that through intimidation. I don't know if he walked over there and one of them growled and he put his hands on his mouth and said, you really don't want to do this today. All I know to tell you is that an impossible night of the soul, Daniel survived through supernatural means. I went to bed not wanting to live and I woke up hoping I never died. What happened? God visited me in the night with supernatural power, impetus, support, help, angelic visitation. I don't know, but I know that his mercy was new when I woke up this morning. The three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. The Bible tells us that because they would not deny their faith, the the king said, I give you one more chance to bow. You hear the sound of the music. Uh, bow, bow in the valley of Durham to this 130 foot golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar and they didn't bow and they were thrown alive into a burning fiery furnace uh, one commentator said it was 130 to 150 foot tall how do you me- measure that back then I'm glad I wasn't on the committee to bring out the tape measure to measure it was so hot that the people that threw them in died And they're standing. So, you know, this is how my mind works. Some of us are wired like this. And all of you that laugh and make fun of us, this is how sometimes our creativity works. But I'm thinking, was this an open fire? Was it a tube? Kind of like a silo. And you had to go and look through the king's peephole to see in. I, I don't know. It had to be insulated if it was. But... So there's this fire, and they throw them in there, and there's dead soldiers around the fire. It's really kind of comedic, okay? So the devil's just, I'll kill you. Heat it up a hundred times. One time would have done it. So it's a tactic of fear. I'll kill you a hundred deads. And they said, "Uh, what's going on in that fire? King said, how many, I just love this. I just, there's so much irony and, and humor in it if you look for it. He said, how many people in there? One, two, three, four, four, three, two, four. <laughs> the king. How many, how many we put in? <laughs> Isn't that just hilarious? I mean, just a minute ago, I just, you know, sometimes I, I lose. How many we put in? Three. How many's in there? Four, and the fourth one looks like what I would imagine the Son of God to look like. What? How, how did you make it through a fire that killed other people with the same heat? There was one that stood with me who reminded me of the Son of God. Supernatural preservation. I've told you for years, I'm your commercial about that. When you run out of all supply, all source, all strength, all will, and all character, you can survive because God keeps you. 
and keep. Listen, I can't die a day before I'm supposed to, and I can't stay a day later than I'm supposed to. But you can survive this. Well, what about the what about the dead people all around the fire? This fire killed these people at work and what they went through. See, we experience the same thing, and other people die. Other people don't make it. But you are people of faith. And you will burn up in the fires you're supposed to burn up in and go to heaven and receive reward for such suffering. But until that time comes, you will survive. You can survive this. Very quickly, number three, you can overcome this. Some of you have great opposition, great obstacle, great opposition like Dan, uh, Goliath standing in front of David. It may cost you more than you want to pay but you can overcome this. See, we want cheap victories of great battles. In business, they teach you that the higher you go up in leadership, the less options you have. There's great cost for great victories. Victories seem to climb in price and reward the greater the battle. They climb in price and reward. Can I give you one real quick? David and Goliath. David, you know, we all read about him, and I love the life of David. If you want to read a good book, it's about 700 pages, The Life of David by A.W. Pink. I've read it three times. Wonderful. So David, we all know about him bringing cheese and grapes to his brothers, and he hears Goliath mocking God, if one of you want to come and fight. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And he's righteous and indignation but he also says something you might have overlooked he said what will be done for the guy that kills this giant did you know that's in there secular David what will be done for him he said well uh, the king will uh, give him his daughter my question would be which daughter and what does said daughter look like does she have gender confusion? Is she sane? Would she ever want to borrow my razor? Things like that. You, you want to know. <laughs> I, I'm being serious. Say, what will be done for the man that kills the child? And then one of them said, and his family will be exempt from taxes forever. You know, his brothers are always picking on him, ignoring him, making fun of him. And, you know, they're over there, go, David, go, David, you know, get out of taxes. But my point is, we won't kill Goliath's reward with piddly battles. And you can overcome this. This obstacle that's in your way while walking in the will of God, you can overcome it. It may cost you more than you want to pay, but you can overcome it. It may take a while, but you can overcome it. The stakes may be higher and make you more vulnerable than you've ever been, like an all-or-nothing showdown. <laughs> Darling, you blinded me. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I got a little phone light, and it's right on my retina, just dancing off my tears. It's all right. Hey, you know I love you. You know it. You can overcome this, but it might not happen like it did last time. Don't keep in mind that it has to happen a certain way. If our musician would come, please. It might not happen like it did last time, but you can overcome it. 
You can overcome this because I am with you. I am in you and I am for you. So finally, you can handle this. You can survive this. You can overcome this. You can win this battle because God is with you. And you, finally, you can come back from this. There's the person that survived, but there's nothing really left. You've been changed. The way you look at people in life, you've changed. I remember when the, uh, the Lord showed me, and I, I'm not trying to be mystical. This is not a common thing. I guess you would call it a day vision. The way I try to explain it to people is if you were to take a photograph of a movie. And all at one time, here you go. And I knew what was going on. And there was a, um, a burnover field. As far as I could see, I called it the back 40. A burnover field. And there was a little wisp of smoke. I mean, it, was, it wasn't still burning, but just it was gone. And the Lord, I felt, spoke to my heart and said, this is your life. Pretty much all that you know, what you would say is your life is gone. But I'm going to build something beautiful right on top of it. And a Victorian old house came and sat down. Brilliant colors. You know, the light blues and the white contrast. Wrap around porch and hanging baskets of the most beautiful flowers. And that word for me was, and I, I'm trying to piece all of it together here. One of the statements were, your life's going to be beautiful, beautiful. But depending on which way the winds blow, there'll be some days you still smell the smoke of what's gone. But John, you can bounce back from this. I'm not, I'm not just the God of grace. I'm the restorer of your soul. It ain't going to look like it did before. But it's going to be beautiful. It's not going to be a mirror image of what you had. But you can come back from this. And see, in your 20s, not so much you need to know that. But as you get into your 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, I need to know that God has another day for me. Even if you don't see how. Even if you don't have the strength for a do-over. Like being a daddy at 61. He's got comebacks in store. Even if you don't have the will to. Can I just bring this for later study for you? Those who were raised from the dead in the Bible. There's, there's no way they asked to be raised from the dead, did they? No will expressed. Just they were. You can come back from this because your Lord is the resurrection and the life and he restoreth our soul. Guys, I'm going to hold off on that video today. I'm not, I'm not going to play that. In just a moment, Pastor Jason, I want you to come. And when you survive, tell people. And when you handle it, tell people. 
And when you overcome and you walk out of the habits that used to own you, tell people. And tell them it wasn't your strength or your character or your will, but God had given you all things that pertain to life and godliness so that you could walk it out and work it out. And when you come back, tell them. That's why I tell you. Every couple months I remind you. Well, I know. Yeah, but I need to say it. You know what's printed on the inside of my wedding ring? Psalms 126, which says, when the Lord turned the captivity, when the Lord turned our captivity, which means he, he, he broke a multi-year bondage, I think it was 50 plus years. And he said, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like those that dreamed. All we've, we've been enslaved so long, and when he we let us out of the cage, like a bird out of a cage. We were like in the dream. We were walking around in a daze. Is this a new day? Where did this new day come from? How did this new day happen? It says, when we came out of it, we were like those that dream. And then here, here's my power statement. And other people looked on our new day and said, the Lord has done it great things for them if you don't get this last part the rest of it is just help for you you're the project you're the commercial you're the advertisement you're the ambassador let them see the good the bad and the ugly and tell them it's the Lord that saves it's the Lord that keeps it's the Lord that heals and it's the Lord that gives you another chance and a start over for his glory so today my effort to tell you that prayer you've prayed in the car Lord what am I am I going to be able to Lord am I going to be able to blank Lord I don't see how I'm going to be able to blank I believe you've heard the word of the Lord for you this morning. Yes, you can. Through him that loved you and gave himself for you. Jason, would you come? This morning during praise and worship, we were talking about we can praise him anywhere. We talk about offering up a hallelujah, offering up a thank you, offering up our gratitude, our thanks, our, our rejoicing to him. Uh, and as I ponder that and I'm thinking about that, yes, we can praise him anywhere. I can praise him when I'm in my office. I can praise him when I'm in the congregation of saints, I can praise him in the car. I can praise him crawling through an attic. I can praise him under a house. I can praise him anywhere physically. And, and that expanded into thoughts of I can praise him anywhere emotionally, anywhere. I can praise him when I'm in the valley. I can praise him when my heart's broken. I can praise him when I'm on the mountaintop. I can praise him when I'm feeling good and I can praise him when I'm feeling bad. I can praise him and be honest at the same time. As Pastor John has taught us, I can wipe the tear and lift the hand. 
I can praise him earnestly, honestly, genuinely, without denying the facts of what's going on in my life. I can praise him anywhere. And I can offer the hallelujah. And I thought about praise and worship and how part of that is surrender and, and offering myself to him. When, when I don't have anything else, I offer myself to him. I offer my best to him always. But when sometimes we don't have anything else, we come with ourself. Sometimes all we have is ashes and he gives us beauty for those. And through this, and as worship was going on, um, Pastor John had asked me to do transition and I came over to him and I said, this word just keeps coming on in my mind and I had seen the title of his sermon. I hadn't seen all the points, but the thing that kept coming into my mind was, yes, you can come home. And, and he said, I'll do transition. You, you come up and pray at the end. And I feel, I, I'm just, I feel pressed to share that. We need to hear that. Whether you're away from the Lord because of despondency, whether it's just, you've become, it's become irrelevant, it's not that big a deal. Whether you're in open rebellion or you've just never surrendered your life to God. These things that we've talked about this morning, yes, you can handle it. Yes, you can overcome, survive, and you can come back from that through Christ, surrender to him through the empowerment of Holy Spirit. But those are promises for the believer. If you're away from him, I want you to know also you can come home. You, can have, you have access to all of those promises right now. Will you surrender to him? Will you come home? Everything that the enemy is telling you is a lie. The things that he's saying disqualify you are a lie. Yes, you can come home. When Pastor John said your life is a commercial for his salvation, every one of us that walk under those promises, every one of us has a testimony of the stake in the ground that was the day where our life went from being in rebellion, from being a God hater, to turning around in repentance and returning to him and surrender. Yes, you can come home. Is today the day that you'll come home. No hype, no fanfare, with every eye open, as the soft melodies played, as boldly as you've lived in the world, would you just stand up, walk forward, and come home and surrender to God? Would you come home?
Is there anyone? Is there anyone that feels quickened or prompted by the Holy Spirit? I'll meet you right here. There's nothing special about me. I just want to share a word of encouragement with you and pray with you. Is there anyone that would come home? Is there anyone else? Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to meet in your house. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that through you, we can make it, God, that we are held by the power of your word, that we have a blessed hope in you, Father God, and your word does not return void. Father God, as we go forth today, I pray that we meditate on this word and we, we be encouraged and that we share this hope with others. We love you and honor you and thank you. God bless you all. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.